to investigate discreditable off-duty conduct. Why the ordeal for two BC police officers acquitted of sexual assault charges in Cuba is still not over in Canada. Police promise action on a group of indigenous protesters as they continue to block access to a planned pipeline in northern BC. Mr. Trudeau, stop the delays. Call this by-election here in Burnaby South. And testing his patience why NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is so frustrated with the federal Liberals at a rally in Burnaby. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Well, two BC police officers who are back home this weekend after spending nearly a year stuck in Cuba and now to face an investigation here in Canada. The pair were arrested after an Ontario teen accused them of sexual assault. Even though they've been acquitted of those charges there, their ordeal is far from over. Grace Key reports. Constables Mark Sims and Jordan Long are back home in Canada after a Cuban court cleared the two of sexual assault allegations involving a 17-year-old Ontario teen. But they still face scrutiny at home. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner confirming an investigation will now be underway. That will include material from Cuba, interviews with the young woman who complained, witnesses, and the two officers will also be required to provide statements. There is the power to investigate discreditable off-duty conduct. Uh, if uh, that is what's being investigated. Former Crown Counsel Ravi Hara says the officers could still face disciplinary actions at work under the Police Act. Where an officer is charged in Canada with a criminal offence and acquitted, that doesn't necessarily prevent uh, internal disciplinary authorities from reviewing the conduct to determine whether the conduct is uh, improper. The 17-year-old said she was drugged and sexually assaulted back in March while on a grad trip in Cuba. Sims, a Vancouver police officer, was charged with sexual assault. Long, a Port Moody officer, was accused of being an accessory to the sexual assault. They were acquitted in November. A Cuban prosecutor appealed and that was rejected. The officer's families released a statement saying, these innocent victims of a malevolent lie are at long last home with their families. The father of the 17-year-old also released a statement saying, our Silence was to protect our daughter, and it seems to have allowed misinformation from the accused to be released to the public. He also believes a better investigation will be conducted here, where language barriers are not a factor. As for any criminal charges in Canada, that appears unlikely. If I've been accused of a sexual offence or an offence in another country, tried and acquitted, um, prosecuting me in Canada for the same offence uh, will be extremely difficult, if not impossible. The OPCC will have six months to conduct the investigation. It'll be up to an external chief constable to decide if the officers will be able to return to regular duty or be reassigned until the matter's concluded. Grace Key, Global News. To northern BC now, where a First Nations group is preparing for police to move in and dismantle an anti-LNG pipeline camp. People in Smithers and Houston, the towns closest to the encampment, say they've noticed the arrival of a large number of officers this weekend. Tanya Beja now has more on the blockade and the anticipated response. 
Tensions and concerns are rising among members of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation as they brace for police intervention. Several years ago, they set up a camp southwest of Houston to protest the proposed coastal gas link pipeline. They also set up two checkpoints blocking access to the project. But in December, a Supreme Court judge issued an injunction ordering that the checkpoints be removed. It now appears the RCMP are gearing up to enforce that court order. Residents are reporting an increased police presence in both Houston and Smithers. The RCMP say given the remote location, they need to ensure enough police officers are standing by. They also say their goal is to maintain public safety and the right to peaceful protest. We're just concerned because we have elders and our hereditary chiefs and children that are out at the checkpoint. And these police officers that are coming in are not from the area. You know, we just want everybody to be respected, and we want our Wet'suwet'en law to be respected. We have never ceded or surrendered. We have never extinguished our rights and title to our our traditional territories. At this point, it's unclear how many officers will take part or when the enforcement will begin, although it could be as early as tonight. Tanya Beja, Global News. Back on parts of the south coast, some people who headed out early this morning face some very strong winds today. A wind warning was in place for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. This is after heavy rain hit the region last night. Gusts of up to 90 kilometres an hour also hit the Victoria area and the southern Gulf Islands. At the height of the storm, more than 11,000 BC hydro customers were left in the dark. Some trees also coming down, including this one on Fremont Street in Port Coquitlam. Others took down power lines in Coquitlam and Souk on Vancouver Island. Grouse Mountain also delaying the opening of the Skyride, the chalet facilities and downhill area due to those poor weather conditions. It did cause a lot of lineups before it opened at 11 a.m. But the real damage is being reported south of the border. Puget Sound Power in Washington and Oregon State said about 218 thousand customers lost power this morning. That same storm dumping heavy snow on the Coquihalla today. A winter storm warning issued for the highway between Hope and Merritt. By the time that warning was lifted, several centimetres of snow had fallen. Drivers were cautioned to be prepared for slippery conditions. Our meteorologist, Yvonne Schall, has your full detailed forecast coming up a little later on tonight. Now, the city of Vancouver's acting deputy mayor is warning about a potentially bad batch of drugs that is on the streets. Councillor Pete Fry says he's been monitoring frontline reports of a spike in drug overdoses on the downtown east side, underscoring the need for a safe drug supply, 24-hour services and testing. On Saturday, the Portland Hotel Society, which operates two overdose prevention sites in the downtown east side, warned of very high rates of serious overdoses. Users being urged to buddy up and seek witnesses when ingesting drugs. I mean, we're not sure 100% if it's a bad batch or if it's the uptick as a result of GST checks coming out. But what we've noticed is an uptick in overdoses. So we want people to be aware that a lot of these drugs, when they, they may have the genesis in the downtown east side, but a lot of these street drugs make it to the recreational supply as well. So it's a, it's a risk for anybody who uses drugs. And we do ask people that if you use drugs, please be safe. 
Well, starting on Tuesday, the Portland Hotel Society will be giving a select group of drug users safe alternatives to fentanyl. Uh, 50 patients will be receiving hydromorphone pills to use under supervision. In other news tonight, a Port Alberni couple has been charged in connection with the tackling and zap strapping of a man they allege came to their home for sex with their 13-year-old daughter. The suspected creep was caught on camera in a video streamed live on social media. Kristen Robinson now looks at the key question the courts will have to decide. I come to my house to meet my 13-year-old daughter to her. Hog tied and face down on the floor in a capture streamed live on Facebook. We tackled him and zap strapped him and called the police because earlier today when I asked the police to come here for this meet, they said no. Now the Port Alberni couple whose frustration pushed them to take matters into their own hands against an alleged child predator has been charged. The parents and a male friend, whom we are not identifying to protect the teen involved, accused of assault causing bodily harm and unlawful confinement or imprisonment, in connection with the April 12th takedown of a 28-year-old man. What's going to be interesting in this case is to see how the mitigating factor of trying to catch a child predator plays into it. Criminal lawyer Kyla Lee, who is not connected to the case, says the key issue will be whether the adult's actions were justified or if they went too far. The big question will become at trial whether or not their actions were reasonable in protecting their child. And that's going to be what this case is decided on. I went to the police and I asked them to come with me. It's not my job, it was theirs, so that's why I gave it to them to deal with. The parents say they tried for weeks to get RCMP to intervene and eventually staged their own sting with a man who allegedly sent nude photos and messages about having sex to their daughter. He messaged my daughter and asked her to meet. And I said, okay, because I need an end to this. They're all being detained for assault right now. Okay. I'm sorry, I the trio appeared in court January 2nd, the couple pleading not guilty, and on the advice of their lawyer, Bert King, not commenting. I'm arrested because we caught a predator. At the time, RCMP told Global News they were already investigating the alleged child luring. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A man has been identified on social media as the victim killed in last Thursday's avalanche in Pemberton. 42-year-old Chris McCrum was skiing with a group in the backcountry near Pebble Creek when he was buried in a slide. His fellow skiers were able to find him because of his emergency beacon. On Facebook, the Squamish Off-Road Cycling Association remembering him as an important member. The avalanche danger rating last week was heightened in the area after a storm swept through. A warning tonight for parent advisory councils to take a closer look at the books. This is after two packs in Kelowna reported having tens of thousands of dollars embezzled from their bank accounts. Jules Knox has the story. The kids haven't got any money this year and it's January and school's back tomorrow. An alarming discovery at Kelowna South Rutland Elementary School. The parent advisory council's bank account emptied out. I think it's stealing from the families that everybody has raised that money. Everyone's taken time to come to the events, support the fundraisers, donate money from their own accounts. And then it's taking everything and the only, the only people that are affected at the end are the children because now they get less. 
An estimated $20,000 stolen, small amounts of money siphoned off in pieces. Well, I think it's just terrible that somebody would do that. I mean, it's for the it's for the children, obviously. PAC member Sarah Shakespeare believes the embezzling happened over a couple of years. You're not supposed to activate deb debit cards with um, PAC accounts. You're supposed to do it through checks and through face-to-face -face in the bank. So it was done through checks and through um, just transferring money and in and out of the bank. The discovery hot on the heels of another theft. $22,000 stolen from Glen Rose's Parent Advisory Council in September. The cases not believed to be related. Separate areas, the people don't even know each other. It's just a situation where somebody, I guess, has, put them, has got themselves in some sort yep. of financial position where that seemed too, te too tempting. That has the Central Okanagan Parent Advisory Council issuing a warning for other PACs to be vigilant. If someone is seeing to the bank accounts, even if you have a trust in them, it's good to look over them. Always look over them. You also, at each meeting, have to have the accounts available and everything available to the parents that attend the meetings. One, two, three, Shakespeare says one, two, three, the four, RCMP one, two, three, is investigating and the Parent Advisory Council believes it knows who the culprit is. As for the stolen cash, slated for things like field trips, hot lunches or technology for the kids, the pack is hoping to come up with new fundraising ideas to help replace the money. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Welcome back. Well, a high-profile Green candidate officially launching her campaign today in one of the most important by-elections in B.C. history. Right on! I'm getting my voice out there! We're going to make change! That is Michelle Ney. She's the daughter of late longtime mayor Frank Ney. Uh, Michelle is running for the BC Greens in Nanaimo, hoping to build on the party's big spike in support in 2017. The Premier called a by-election for January 30th after Leonard Krogh resigned his seat to become the city's mayor. Nanaimo is historically an NDP stronghold. A Liberal win would disrupt the NDP and Green majority and create a tie in the BC legislature. That could force an early general election. So it's a very important by-election here. Nay is a retired teacher. She says she's going to focus on education, health care and the environment. In the last 15 years, we have seen education and health care decline hugely. And it, it makes me so angered that the suffering and the struggles that these students have been having, you have no idea what their lives are like. And I'm so sorry that my father's not here today to see what I'm doing. Well, he is here. <laughs> But he had a deep passion for the community, loved, loved, loved people, and of course loved the environment, and he instilled those values in myself as well. Now, some people in the south of Okanagan are scrambling this new year, trying to find another doctor. This is after their own announced his retirement without a replacement. As Shelby Tom reports, seniors are concerned there that they're going to be forced to travel even further for basic medical care. OK Falls, nestled in the heart of the South Okanagan Valley, is a town eyed by retirees because... It's quiet. It's... Uh... A little village. Population 2000, about a third of residents are over 65. There's a lot of widows, widowers in town here. It's an older community. That's why news that one of only two doctors in town is retiring, a hard pill to swallow. I think it's devastating. I'm writing to inform you that after 40 years, 
I will be closing my family practice March 31st, 2019. Dr. James Robertson, pictured in the middle, is closing his family practice after four decades. His son on the right will continue at the only clinic in town, but it's not known how many more patients he'll be able to take on. The eldest Robertson says he can't find another physician to take over. Therefore, I would urge you to find a new doctor to take over your care. 73-year-old Chris Van Emmerich, concerned many will be left doctorless. So it's going to leave a pretty big gap. At the Royal Canadian Legion, others worried a struggling yeah. local economy will be a deterrent to attracting a new doc. That's pretty tough because there's not much industry here. There's more retirees. We don't have an awful lot to offer here as far as businesses go. We're working on it. The South Okanagan Division of Family Practice says recruitment efforts are underway to replace Dr. Robertson here in Okanagan Falls, but it says there's no easy cure as BC is still facing a doctor shortage. There's a doctor shortage everywhere, and I think there's a really wide market that physicians and all healthcare professionals can choose from, said Executive Director Tracy Sinclair. I think it's just finding the person who's the right fit who wants to live here. In the meantime, patients will be forced to travel to Penticton or Oliver for their medical needs. If there's a doctor out there that would like to live in a nice little town, please come and take it over. Back in political news, uh, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said a by-election would be called in the new year for Burnaby South. So far, no word from Justin Trudeau on this. And that was the focus of a rally for federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh today. Our Victoria Bureau Chief Keith Baldry has got more details on what happened there today. Keith. Yes, and you know, Jagmeet Singh is in political trouble big time. His party's got fundraising problems compared to the other two parties. A uh, number of members of his caucus have said they're not going to stand for re-election. And he's got a big problem when it comes to public profile. He hasn't got one. And the way to get that is to get in the House of Commons, get on those nightly newscasts, and get a media presence that is denied him because he doesn't have a seat in the House. And that's why he's in Burnaby today, Burnaby South, where he's going to be running uh, to replace Kennedy Stewart, who, of course, is the new mayor of Vancouver, uh, to rally the troops and try to uh, get more attention and put a little fire under Justin Trudeau's feet to call that by-election, uh, addressing that uh, point with reporters today. Well, this one's pretty clear. Hey, we know it's uh, not in the interest of Burnaby South to have the seat vacant for so long. So we know it's not in the interest of the people. Whose interest is it in? It's in the interest of the political party, the Liberal Party. So they're making decisions not in the interest of people, but they're making decisions in the interest of their own political future. All right, we, we know I mean, he's been talking about this area and why he's so passionate for a long time, mm -hmm. but what about his chances of winning? How much of a favourite is he? Well, it's a, it's a toss-up riding. It's not a clear-cut favourite. Uh, Kennedy Stewart won by less than 600 votes uh, in the 2015 election, so clearly Singh cannot take this thing for granted. But he is a party leader. But again, the, what, normally that comes with a big advantage. His disadvantage here is people really don't know who he is. So he's got to really establish an identity there. But I think if you're a leader, you have a better chance of picking up some of those wavering voters than you would if you were just a, a regular type of candidate. So it's his to lose. And if he doesn't win this, uh, the speculation is the knives will come out in the party. Uh, uh, and replace him as leader. Justin Trudeau does not want that. So the word is the Liberals would very much like Jagmeet Singh to remain as leader of the NDP because he has real problem resonating with voters and boosting that party's popularity. All right. There's still no word on a by-election, though. Trudeau absolutely not silent yet. on that. Yeah. Yeah, so right. far, four to go. Thanks very much for that, Keith. Uh, Keith Baldry okay. reporting for us uh, from Victoria. Um, right, let's tell you about this. People headed to Sunday services at their church in Surrey today with a bit of a difference. They took their pets with them for a very special reason. Hi, guys. 
us. I Yes, he did want to be there. A bit reluctant, as you can see. One of many other pooches, as well as one cat, that were blessed by the Reverend of the South Fraser uh, Unitarian Congregation this afternoon. It's the second year the church has held a pet blessing. Just because the animals are so important in our lives and, and to sort of recognise how special they are and how much they contribute to us. And they have social lives too, so it's fun to see them all together here. They're loving it. They were so excited that we, um, we were originally going to do it in September and they went, no, no, we need to do it in January when we can really gear up for it because they really wanted to have a lot of participation and attendance. And so that's what we got today. And I was very pleased to see all the animals that came out. We even had one cat in her cage that came to be blessed in amongst all these dogs. Oh, mm -hmm. I would have gone. I've got a dog now, so I could have taken a, oh, you do. a, nice a little blessing. puppy for a blessing. But sure. never mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next year. Maybe next year. Maybe exactly. when he's, uh, you know, party <laughs> A bit trained. more religious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll get on to sport with Barry in just a second, but uh, let's get a word on the weather right now. The rain's been a bit on and off today. Yes, and depending if you were up very early this morning, we had a, a sharp trough that worked its way and it swept across the south coast, and we saw very windy conditions. Here's a glance at some of the numbers and the strong winds that we did see. Trial Light Station is just south of Victoria, over 100 kilometers per hour. These are sustained winds. Victoria, Hope uh, getting into the 70s, similar for Discovery Island. And out of the uh, Twaston Ferry Terminal, up to 65 kilometers per hour. And then we saw a break if you woke up. It was sunshine. And then by the afternoon, a few thunderstorms rolled through. This was sent in from our engineer, Jerry Pursoon. So thanks much, so much. That was in Coquitlam. And I saw reports in Surrey, Maple Ridge. It'll be much calmer. We have a nice break on the way for the beginning of the work week. But we are tracking another storm for the work week. I'll show you which day coming up shortly. See, now I think of people who take their pets for a walk now in that weather. <laughs> Tomorrow's <laughs> the day. <laughs> it is tough. Uh, in sport, what's happening then? Uh, well, lots of mayhem in, in sports going mm -hmm. on too, just like the weather. We had uh, NFL football going on. Not a lot of offense this weekend in the wildcard playoffs, but still uh, lots of drama. Two great finishes today uh, in uh, Baltimore and in Chicago. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. And I guess the Canucks are technically on playoff watch now. They're sort of close enough where they may make it. So we got some highlights of some teams they're, they're hoping will lose tonight. We'll show. Welcome back. Well, the RCMP in New Brunswick say a 25-year-old woman from Nova Scotia allegedly opened fire on first responders at the scene of a single vehicle crash. The incident happened yesterday afternoon near the Moncton International Airport. Several streets near the airport had to be blocked off. The woman was taken into custody. She was then treated in hospital for non-life-threatening injuries that were sustained during the arrest. The RCMP say an officer discharged a firearm at the suspect during the incident. Nova Scotia's police watchdog is now going to lead an investigation into how police handled the whole thing. Cleanup is underway in California, where mudslides and flooding have shut down both directions of the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu last night. Elena Diaz has got the details. Heavy rains in Southern California pushed debris and mud onto the Pacific Coast Highway, where the Woolsey fire burned nearly two months ago, trapping cars and even California Highway Patrol officers who had to dig themselves out. It was crazy. There was places in the road where it slid over and it was really deep mud. This hillside came down, forcing drivers to abandon their cars in knee-deep mud and prompting the closure of nearly 20 miles of the highway. 
Further north, winds and high tide in the Bay Area flooded San Francisco's popular Embarcadero Street. Tourists stopped for what seemed like a good photo op. I heard that tree crack and saw big sparks coming out. Hundreds of thousands were without power in the Pacific Northwest on Sunday morning after a windstorm knocked down trees and power lines across neighborhoods. The window in our bedroom that we were in, it just blew it out. Seattle experienced wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour, reportedly some of the strongest the city has had in 10 years. In Poland, firefighters say five teenagers that were killed by a fire in an escape room might have survived if there had been a proper evacuation route. A growing memorial is now forming outside the former attraction. Investigators say the fire may have been sparked by a gas leak in a heating system. In escape rooms, those that are involved get locked in a room and race against the clock to solve puzzles and other challenges in order to get out. Polish officials have since shut down 13 of these escape rooms for safety violations. Police dash cam video from Texas shows a man being rescued from a burning vehicle. Really dramatic pictures. This happened before dawn on New Year's Day. Both officers and Good Samaritans had to work together to flip the vehicle from off its side and free a 70-year-old. His vehicle was hit by another driver who was going the wrong way on the highway. The wrong way driver was killed in the crash. China's huge ice city is drawing tens of millions of visitors. It's covering an area of 43,000 square feet. China's wintry city of Harbin has built its tourism sector into a $10 billion industry. More than 77 million tourists visited in 2017, generating about $17 billion in revenue for the city. It had gained international attention for its increasingly popular winter experience. Extravaganza, the International Ice and Snow Festival features elaborate ice sculptures, competitions, and a whole load of winter sports as well. And there was a delightful sight today for spectators at that festival. Penguins that live at the Polarland Aquarium were introduced to outdoor ice. Even though they are used to near zero temperatures, the birds found themselves slipping and sliding all over the place. On the surface, they were returned to the comforts of their enclosure after about 15 minutes outside. Now, you've heard of therapy dogs. How about raccoons? A raccoon therapy center in St. Petersburg claims interacting with the animals can improve your mood for between 30 and 45 dollars an hour yep you got to pay for this visitors are invited into a small room to play with and pet the rescued animals the owners say the raccoons are very sociable creatures who are happy to engage with people but there are rules around handling them they can still bite scratch and sometimes steal personal belongings such as your watch, keys or a bit of money. The centre is advising its visitors before going in to take off their valuables. All right, if you like some challenges, you might want to head to south of Winnipeg. There, a snow maze is aiming to smash a Guinness World Record. It's now open. Look at that. It is a corn maze in the summer. Uh, for the first time ever, a snow maze in the winter. Uh, staff there were finally able to open up this attraction after weeks of unstable weather. This is expected to be more challenging than their annual corn maze. It's going to take about 45 minutes, they think, to an hour from start to finish.
We didn't do any advertising because we actually had no idea what we'd, we'd be done. And so, in fact, we're done on January 5th. And uh, Manitobans, they saluted us well by showing up and supporting Amazing Corn once again. That's a wonderful idea. I love their creativity there, Yvonne. And that's a long maze, 45 minutes. Yes. That seems like a long time. Yeah, that would freak me out. Yeah, maybe honest. 10 minutes is good. Just a yeah. quick one. Bye. Just 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, as we shift into the forecast, uh, we had some active weather, especially early this morning. And in the afternoon, we saw a few isolated thunderstorms, reports of hail, and a few downpours as well. Right now, though, it is dry out of the airport. We're seeing temperatures sitting at 5. A mild one today, climbing up to 9 degrees is the high. An easterly wind out of the airport at 15 kilometers per hour. Still some shower activity, higher elevations along the island, though, seeing some flurries. Southern sections of the island, isolated showers, and eastern sections stretching into the Fraser Valley. But if you are traveling into the interior, we're still seeing some snowfall late this evening and overnight central interior, and then it'll ease up for our Monday. Mountain passes, the sea to sky should just be flurries. The Coquihalla accumulating still, four and up to six centimeters. Allison Pass between two and four. Rogers Pass now easy off to flurries and a bright spot for many of the mountain passes by the afternoon tomorrow we should be back into a mix of sun and cloud here's what we're spotting though for the evening and overnight still a few isolated showers by tomorrow morning cloud cover and then a clearing by the afternoon plenty of sunshine tomorrow will be the nicest out of the bunch so get out and enjoy it and then as we get in towards our tuesday this will be the next weather maker that we're tracking it'll be by the afternoon and on the wednesday we are looking at very blustery conditions once again for the piece tomorrow chilly wind Chill for the morning hours at minus 30 for the afternoon, feeling closer to minus 25, seeing more breaks from the cloud towards the afternoon. Areas near Whitehorse, risk of frostbite with the wind chill at minus 36. Along the coast tomorrow, still a few isolated flurries, not much in terms of accumulation. Temperatures will be bumping up to one. Caribou and central interior, on and off flurries, temperatures at minus nine. The sunshine makes a return for your Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, flurries tomorrow, Tuesday, a bright start to the day, and then Snow developing towards the evening and continuing for Wednesday. Thompson Okanagan will just see some flurries for the morning hours. A mix of sun and cloud for the afternoon. Areas near Whistler will see a nice clearing on the way tomorrow. Temperatures up to minus one. A dry start to Tuesday, but that next system starts to push in towards the evening and on Wednesday. And we're looking at the return for some snowfall, especially if you're traveling along the sea to sky. And along the island, the return for sunshine tomorrow. Temperatures bumping up to six degrees. Tuesday, the moisture is going to push in earlier for the island, like by the morning and the noon hour and very windy at times. And for Metro Vancouver, our five-day forecast, we are going to see a clearing on the way for tomorrow. It'll be windy, though, for the morning and early afternoon. And then Tuesday by the afternoon for Metro Vancouver, moisture pushes in, rain and heavy at times, and very blustery so far on Wednesday. And then it'll rebound for our temperatures Thursday, Friday. Sonia? No, just a bit of rain then. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Huh? And then, okay, Barry's here with all your sport. Happy birthday for October. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were talking about that. Me. Missed yeah. my birthday. It's only been a couple of months. That's okay. It's nothing. It's, it's not your fault. I need to campaign more. All, all right. right. Let's talk some uh, football here, Sonia. Nick Foles led the Eagles to an unlikely Super Bowl last year. It didn't look like Philadelphia would even get a chance to defend their title this season under regular starting quarterback Carson Wentz. But when he went down with an injury late in the season, Foles came on and rallied Philly again to sneak into the playoffs and now they're looking for another magical run it started today in chicago in the nfc wild card against the bears brothers kyle and chris long playing a 
against each other. They're the sons of former NFLer Howie Long, Kyle, an offensive lineman for the Bears, Chris, a defensive end for the Eagles. Either way, the Longs would have a victory today. Second quarter, tied at three. Eagles looking to take the lead, but Foles picked off in the end zone by Adrian Amos, Chicago's number one ranked defense in the NFL in fine form early. They led 6-3 at the half. Third quarter, after a couple of costly Chicago penalties, Foles will hit Dallas Goddard for the touchdown. Uh, Goddard, rather, Eagles led 10-6. Fourth quarter, now 10-9. Mitch Trubisky to Allen Robinson for the touchdown. And Chicago's back out front, 15-10. But the Eagles and Foles march down the field. Fourth and goal. And like in the Super Bowl, Foles comes through with another clutch play with the game on the line as he sidearms a touchdown pass to the former Seahawk, Golden Tate. Eagles have the lead 16-15, but the Bears still have time to get the game-winning field goal. Trubisky will find Allen Robinson with the completion inside the 35, so the Bears are in field goal range. Ten seconds left. It's up to Cody Parkey. 43 yards for the win. Huge pressure on the young kicker who's missed 10 field goals already this year, second most in the league, and for the win, do you believe off the cross, off the post, off the crossbar, and out, and the Bears, heartbroken. The Eagles, maybe they're a team of destiny again as they win 16-15. They'll play the Saints next weekend. In the AFC, Ravens and Chargers, the veteran Phillip Rivers against the rookie Lamar Jackson, youngest quarterback to ever start a playoff game, one day short of his 22nd birthday. The Ravens' offense stumbled early. Kenneth Dixon with the fumble. Chargers recover, kicked a field goal. Second quarter, Jackson's throw high, and it's picked off by Adrian Phillips. But L.A., did uh, not get in the end zone. Had to settle for four field goals. They led 12-0 at the break. Third quarter, Rivers and the Chargers offense finally make a big play. They go up top to Mike Williams. Great over-the-shoulder grab there. 28-yard gain down to the Baltimore 15. And that led to this fourth and goal gamble early in the fourth. And Melvin Gordon does take it in for the Chargers' only touchdown of the game. But they led 23-3 midway through the fourth. It looked like this one was theirs, but the Ravens aren't done. Lamar Jackson to Michael Crabtree for the touchdown, just over six to play. That made it 23 to 10. And when Baltimore got the ball back, they scored again. Jackson to Crabtree one more time. Just breaks the plane of the goal line. They had to review it, but it's a good touchdown, and Baltimore's within six. They did get the ball back one last time to help complete the amazing comeback, but this time the Chargers' defense would have none of it. They strip the ball from Jackson and recover it, and the Chargers celebrate a 23-17 win. They will play the Patriots next weekend in the divisional playoffs. Well, in the end, Mississauga, Ontario's Bianca Andreescu just fell short of winning her first ever WTA tournament earlier today in Auckland, New Zealand. She was uh, just one game away from the win, but couldn't close the deal. Still, the 18-year-old has burst onto the scene, giving Canadians yet another fantastic young player to cheer for, joining the likes of Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Eliasim, and giving us one more tough name to pronounce. Uh, the 18-year-old had another great start in the final uh, against Germany. Julia Gerges, who won this tournament last year and is world-ranked 14. Andreescu rolled through the first set 6-2. Gerges did break Andreescu to start the second with the return winner. She is a solid player. Andreescu battled back, led 5-4 on serve in the second, but then 
Gerges took over, breaking Bianca in the 11th game and took the second set 7-5. And then the German rolled from there, took nine of the last 10 games. Match point, Andreescu is long on her ground stroke backhand, or it's into the net at least, and the young Canadian moves up all the way to 107th in the rankings despite the loss. Now she will try to qualify for the Australian Open, which begins next week in Melbourne. Welcome back. The Canucks are on a much-needed break. They don't play again until Thursday at home to Arizona. Likely, Elias Pettersson won't play in that game. He has a mild MCL sprain, but the kids do heal fast, you know, and this injury is a one- to two-week recovery, and it'll be exactly a week coming this Thursday. Either way, the Canucks do find themselves just a point behind the Ducks for the final wild-card spot in the West, although the Ducks have three games in hand. The Ducks using one of those games in hand tonight against the slumping Oilers, although Anaheim is scuffed. Of late on a seven-game losing skid, it's Edmonton who score first and three guesses who got it. Connor McDavid with his team leading 24th, not his prettiest ever, but dogged determination. One nothing Edmonton. Oilers begging for secondary scoring. It seems that it's not McDavid or Drysital. It's nobody, but there's a goal from Jesse Pugliarvi to make it two nothing. And then while short-handed, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who does chip in as well, stopped here, but. Kyle Brodziak lifts it in, 3-0 Oilers at that point. They've added another 4-0 Edmonton late in the second. Stars and Jets, Dallas four points up on the Canucks. Second period tied at one. Big Tyler Myers using that massive wingspan. Scores on the wraparound. 2-1 Jets. And then early in the third, they'll get the insurance goal. Kyle Connor waiting in the slot. Hammers in the loose puck. And the Jets go on for the 5-1 win, and they move past Nashville into first in the Central. So good news on the out-of-town scoreboard for the Canucks. Golden Knights and Devils. Vegas has recovered from a poor start, looking for a sixth straight win to get back into a tie with the Flames for the Western lead. Down 2-0, but big Ryan Reeves with the steal. That's his eighth goal, a career high in a single season for the big man. Second period, now 2-2. Alder Alder Grove, Shea Theodore with the shot, tipped in by Max Pacioretty. That was the game winner. Vegas wins 3-2, now tied with Calgary for first in the West. Vancouver Giants completed their six-game road trip with the World Juniors here in uh, Vancouver, and they won it 6 to nothing. so they finished the road trip at 2-4. and four. NBA tonight, Kyle Lowry returning to the Raptors lineup versus Indiana. Missed 10 of the last 11 due to injury, feeling it early. Hits the three-pointer, six points in the first quarter for Lowry, 37-35 wraps after one. No Kawhi Leonard resting on the second night of a back-to-back. Norman Powell with some nice production off the bench. Hits the tough three. Raptors led 70-63 at the half. And then more great shooting. Serge Abaka. Boy, he's really having a great year. The player they thought he would be when they got him a couple of years ago. Raptors are going to win again. They're up 114-98 late in the fourth. Final round of the Century Tournament of Champions from beautiful Maui. Great day to get on the surfboard. American Gary Woodland, three-shot lead when the day began. 11th hole, 29-footer for birdie. Gets to 20-under, maintains that three-shot advantage. But Xander Shoffley, like he was shot out of a cannon. Look at this, second shot from the fairway in the par-4 12th. And that is in for Eagle. That's his second Eagle of the day, and he's just one back. And then... Shoffley birdied 14 and gets another one here after he will uh, chip it close. Made the birdie there to get to 21 under par. 
And then, after Woodland drew even moments ago, Shoffley with another birdie, and they are both tied at 22 under, playing the 18th. So we'll have the final result of that tonight at 11. Third round FA Cup. Manchester City hosting second tier Rotherham, and this was uh, one-sided to say the least. City got going early. Kevin De Bruyne to Raheem Sterling, quick touch, fires it in. 1-0 just two minutes in, and then Sterling, the playmaker, sets up Gabriel Jesus for the tap-in in the 73rd. More from City. Riyad Mahrez give and go. Mahrez finishing to make it 5-0. And in the 78th, off the corner, Nicholas Otamendi with the power header. And City puts up a touchdown. 7-0 the final as they cruise into the fourth round of the FA Cup. Here's a look at your snow report for today with fresh snow for many of the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with 14 new centimeters, 9 for Grouse and Cypress Sasquatch with 12 new centimeters. Revelstoke with 18 new centimeters, Manning Park 3, Whitewater 8. Big White with a base of 170, Silver Star 152, Sun Peaks with 4 new centimeters. Kicking Horse with a base of 177, Mount Washington with 12 new centimeters and Powder King 25. All right, good news for skiers. Now, finally tonight, if you have a dog with some star quality, uh, you should have got yourself down to Coquitlam today for a special casting call. Sylvia, come, come, come. <laughs> Very talented pooches showing off their skills. They were auditioning for the role of Sandy in Annie the Musical. Sandy, of course, you might remember is Annie's dog and sidekick. It's the stray she finds on the streets of New York. Producers say the ideal candidate for the role um, sounds a bit like us three, really. Has to be gentle, patient, and must follow simple cues. <laughs> he or she comes on uh, during one of the street scenes and interacts with Annie, uh, has to be able to sit patiently while she sings uh, tomorrow out to the audience and to the dog, um, and then is in the Hooverville scene with our, our vagrants, and um, so a lot of people on stage, so interacting there, uh, and then comes out at the end of the show as well. There you go. The musical opens at the Michael J. Fox Theatre in Burnaby on February first. I wonder if any. Sorry, I wonder if any of those dogs were were, were at the blessing at the church early. <laughs> oh, that would help. That so would help your cause. Then go you know. to the sure. addition. Yes, that you know, would yeah. definitely help. Get a little you extra help there, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit of a spiritual yeah. intervention. Yeah. Find it. Get in touch with us if it was your dog. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to know. That could be a good story. All right. Well, thank you very much for watching. Uh, lots of rain on the way, of course. The dry one days. tomorrow, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, we're back into to some wet and windy weather. All right, have yourselves a great week. We'll be back next weekend. See ya.